Boxers are always talking smack before a big bout. On this edition of The Grid, our special guest host Clay Carroll joins Chris and I to talk some smack. We're talking election smack today on The Grid. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Okay, seriously, folks, you have to go vote. I'm so tired of being Pelosi'd, Schumer'd, Booker'd, and Kamala'd. You need to make a difference, and I'm going to tell you how. Here at the Kingdom Patriot Group, we are fighting back, and we're going to help you. Here's your four-point plan. First, go to kingdompatriot.us and subscribe to our emails and alerts. Second, become a Kingdom Patriot member for less than two Vente white chocolate mochas at Starbucks per month. Three, tell your friends and neighbors about the grid. Post it, share it, talk about it, and lastly, go vote. You do that, and congratulations. You've done your civic and moral duty. Welcome to this week's News in Review. Now, while there are some stories, like every week, that just make you shake your head, this week, most of them, and even this podcast, are about the election. But we'll get into that in one moment. So in culture news, if you haven't think that our society has gotten to the place where we've devalued life, then just listen to this story. Anne Hathaway appears on The View. Yeah, I said that correct, on The View. And literally says that abortion can be another word for mercy. Are you kidding me? Mercy for whom? I, I, I can't believe that I even read this. In world culture news, the United Nations is weighing in. They're not weighing in on COVID. No, no, no. They're weighing in on Elon Musk and lecturing him and how he should run Twitter. I mean, are, are you kidding me? When Twitter was front and center, case in point, on how to stifle, suppress, and censor free speech. Where were all these protesters of freedom and democracy? Not a word. Complete silence. Folks, this isn't about protecting free speech. This is pure, unadulterated panic. And on what might happen to the libs if free speech is truly free. Now to political news. John Fetterman in Pennsylvania was endorsed by Oprah this week, despite not being able to put two coherent sentences together. And in ironic symbolism, at his campaign rally at the beginning, his American flags completely blew over. Yep, nothing else needs to be said. Warnock and Walker completely battle it out in Georgia. And speaking of Georgia, Stacey Abrams is already blaming her Tuesday loss on voter suppressors in Georgia. Of course, that's despite the data showing that Georgia is having record turnout for minorities. But I guess that doesn't really matter. Because... Since when did a panicked, race-mongering liberal ever let facts get in the way of a self-serving, divisive story? Speaking of other congressional candidates, Chuck Grassley is going to crush his opponent in Iowa. Not even sure why I mentioned it. And Obama is out there campaigning everywhere, telling folks, if you vote for Republicans, our country will be set back 50 years. Well, I don't want the racism of 50 years ago, but I might take some of those traditional held values. Besides, Joe Biden's economy is feeling an awful lot like Back to the Future in reverse. 
Speaking of Joe Biden, he's out there telling everyone a vote for the ultra MAGA MAGA Republicans will destroy the democracy. Well, I beg to differ. But to be fair, only a real experiment will actually bear this out. So I say let's find out, my fellow evil MAGA MAGA ultra MAGA American loving patriots. Let's go win the election and prove him wrong. Now, back to Elon Musk. There's all kinds of stories around Elon right now, and everyone is coming out and decrying that he's laying off half of the workers in his company. Well, everyone has an opinion, but what people forget is um, this is a private company now, so he can pretty much do whatever he wants. He, and it appears he's kind of flipping the middle finger, the virtual middle finger to everyone and running it like he wants. That means open, free speech, and to make a profit. During this campaign season, Obama is also quoted as saying that Joe Biden should be credited with repairing the economy. Folks, if this is what repair looks like, good Lord, I would hate to see what happens if he actually broke it. Folks, the, the libs are running scared. They are panicked. I mean, they are terrified is probably a better word. They are pouring millions into races that sh they shouldn't even have to spend a dime. In Michigan, I watched a Notre Dame game on the ESPN app. There were no less than 50 hit pieces on Tudor Dixon and a few positive ones for Whitmer. But you would think Dixon was the second coming of the Nazis, according to these ads. The Dems' war chest is bleeding as they're having to defend seats long held blue and safe. Even worse, the money is coming outside the communities they serve. It's panic time, and I can't wait to dive deeper into that in this podcast. For this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Well, I'm so excited to have Sean and Clay today here hosting The Grid with me. Um, you guys are my favorite crew to have on board. Thank you for joining today. Glad to be here. We are your only crew. That's true. You are our only crew. And guess what? It is voting season. It's only a few days until the midterms. Today, we are going to go by the numbers. It seems to me, this is just my opinion, maybe you guys agree or disagree, it seems to me that the time for reckoning has arrived. Is this going to be a red wave or is it going to be a blue thud? I don't know. To me, they're really probably the same thing. But what I hope today as we have this discussion is a couple things. Number one, I hope to inform, I hope to inspire, and I hope to motivate our audience. And when I say inspire, that inspire is based on hope. I thought first thing that we would do is maybe take a look at some recent numbers. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Go for it. Well, according to Real Clear Politics, I'm going to give you some of the current standings of some of the top Senate races. In Georgia, Republican Herschel Walker is up by 0.4%. Dr. Oz is up by 0.1% in Pennsylvania. Hassan, who is a Democrat, is up by only 08 in New Hampshire. In Nevada, the Republican is up by 1.9%. In Arizona, Kelly is up by 1.0%, but I understand that that is pretty close. In Wisconsin, Johnson is up over Barnes by 3.2%. Now, Washington, Colorado, the Democrats are both up in those states, but we kind of write them off anyway. In Ohio, Republican Vance is pulling away. He's up at 5%. North Carolina, Bud is up. He's a Republican, up by 5%. And in Florida, Marco Rubio is up 7.5%. I thought Rubio was in real trouble. That seems to be what I remember. And then, of course, we have in Connecticut, Blumenthal, Democrat, up by 11%. But yeah, Connecticut, you can have him. So those are just some of the top Senate races. 
But if you look at the governor's races, Republicans are all up in the polling in Arizona, Wisconsin, Nevada, Oregon, of all places, Texas, Georgia, Florida. And despite the absolute media craze in Florida trying to prop up Charlie Chris, DeSantis is up by 11 and a half points. And honestly, I would be shocked if it's even that close. And despite Whitmer being up in Michigan by 4.4%, according to RCP, they are actually still predicting that it's likely Tudor Dixon is still going to be the winner. Now, I'm guessing that's probably based on polling sampling bias, based on the number of Democrats who answer polls. I, I, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm guessing. Guys, I share this with you. Do you feel the wave? Well, I feel like we definitely have a high potential of a lot of Republicans taking a lot of different seats from local to federal. Did you see the headline about the top Georgia Democrat who's snubbed Stacey Abrams and endorsed the Republican Brian Kemp? I saw that, Sean. In fact, it was one of the Democratic lieutenant governor candidates who did not win the primary for lieutenant governor. And I think that's telling. And the reason is this lieutenant governor candidate did not win in the primary. So typically when somebody doesn't, they think about rerunning again, right? At some point in the future. But this Democrat was willing to put his political career really in the toilet. He, he pretty much is done as a Democrat by endorsing Brian Kemp. At least that's the way, the way I would see it. Yeah, I would too. So yeah, that's pretty big. And you know, we keep hearing about Stacey Abrams and how the, she's really the governor now, right? She's supposed to be the incumbent because the election was stolen stolen from her the last time around. I, this lady, I, I, what I don't get is she reminds me of the governor version of AOC. Highly radical, highly divisive, little on substance, but the media has picked her out and promoted her as the darling of the progressive movement. I, I kind of think of her more as like a Hillary Clinton. Oh, why so, Clay? Well, that I don't know. Maybe that's a little too hard. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, this is the lady who's who is uh, supporting all kinds of defund the police organizations. What I like about the situation is that you see somebody on the Democrat side. He didn't win, but he's, as you said, he's putting his career on the line. Certainly he's putting his political career on the line. I guess what I like about it is it's a sign that there are some folks on the other side that have started taking a cold, hard look at the circumstances and they've come to realize something is seriously wrong. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder if he is embodying that kind of Tulsi Gabbard spirit of, hey, this Democratic Party does not represent what it used to. Good point. It used to be that the Democratic Party was blue collar. I mean, yes, they were liberal. They believed in unions and all those things. But the radical progressive stuff was fringe. Now it is the mainstream. If you're what I would call the old blue dog Democrat, you're, you're actually more of a moderate Republican now. You're really no longer a Democrat because the fringe, the craze, the progressive liberal, the, the spirit of lawlessness and everything that's anti-God is the norm within this party. So, you know, I also think it's interesting as we look at real clear politics, and I'm not saying they're the bastion of polling, but what they do is they average, uh, it's kind of like a rolling average that they do. So in a lot of these that I shared where Republicans are up, 
They're actually in more recent polls even up higher than this because it's taking in some old polls in which they were down or in which they, they were even. Even uh, Kathy Hochul supposedly is now losing in New York. And that are you telling me that a Republican may win the governor's seat in New York? That is crazy. And I think it tells us that people are fed up. People are fed up with this crazy lawlessness that has become the central theme of the Democratic Party. A lot of people died in New York, and this lady comes along after the previous one steps down, and she just continued business as usual. Yeah, that's true. And in some cases, she even has seemed more radical, which is really hard to do when Cuomo was at the helm. Right. But when you hear Nancy Pelosi speak or you hear Karine Jean-Pierre, when you hear these high-level Democrat pundits speak, if you listen to them, have you gotten the sense that um, that the Democrats are going to get shellacked in this election? Or do you get the sense that it's kind of business as usual and they're going to do just fine and they're going to maintain the control of the House and the Senate? Well, it's like they live in a completely alternate universe. Clay, I think sometimes they refer to this as the D.C. bubble. They kind of live in their little own world in their own little fishbowl, and they just seem to be disconnected from the reality of the rest of the country. Yeah, that's that's so true. Very true. Kind of like what you see in Hollywood. You know, they, the Hollywood elite kind of feel like everybody's just this certain way, but really a lot of traditional values in the country. There's a lot of fields, tractors, and, and corn that, that you fly over going from East Coast to West Coast that is ignored by the East Coast and the, and the left coast. Well, even though it appears that the media is in bed to say that the Democrats are fine and the and the Hollywood elites and the Pelosi's and the Schumer's of the world are saying everything's fine and the Biden White House saying everything's fine. That's not what we're hearing. And I think the, the real clear politics summation of all these polls is telling us that. I'm hearing now that it's, it's possible, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's, it's possible the Republicans could end up with 53 or 54 seats in the Senate and possibly increase their seats in the House by 40. And then to add on that, I mean, holy crap, Benjamin Netanyahu is now on the path back to prime minister in Israel. This whole idea of a red wave and moving back to traditional values is not limited to just the United States. Would you agree that it appears in, in all aspects the red wave is real? Yeah, I do. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things that our media doesn't report. There's a lot of like protests going on in Germany and England and a lot of European countries that really are trying to espouse to go back to traditional values, things that they're just not reporting in the news, but we don't even know. I mean, I'm talking like tens of thousands of people protesting in the streets. But Brazil is another example. Bolsonaro. Mm -hmm. was the uh, favored and populous, basically the Trump of Brazil, and he lost, and it's super suspicious. Yeah, I heard that. In fact, I, I've also heard that he is being gracious about it because he knows that the rule of the left is going to last about five minutes after they try to do what they've done here. The, the general population itself is not going to put up with it. The pictures, the video, looking out over vast swaths of land and streets, just you look out over that and then you have to take a closer look and you realize, oh, those are people. 
Absolutely. Well, the reason I just, I'm going to kind of land the plane on this segment. The, the reason that I wanted to share those numbers and talk about the red wave is number one, I wanted to make sure our audience is informed that the move that we're sensing is a lot different than what you hear in the national media. We want you to be informed. We also want you to be inspired. We want you to have hope that things are changing and we do expect a red wave. But when we come back, we want to talk about being motivated because it's not enough to know this information and to be inspired. You got to do something with it. So we'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us on the web at kingdompatriot.us. Join us in the fight for faith and freedom. Mondays on your favorite podcast platform. All right. Um, welcome back from break, everyone. Sean, we were having a discussion while on break just about how we can't really trust these polls. So we see these polls and sometimes we can derive hope from them, but we got to be careful about that because really our hope is only found in Christ. But it is encouraging to see that maybe they could move in the right direction uh, for, quote unquote, the red wave. But you said something that really reminded me of a quote that I heard some time ago. And it was really regarding the news, and I think the polls are wrapped up in that, and that is this. The news no longer reports events. It's meant to shape events. And you said something similar about the polls. So can you just expand on that a little bit, why we shouldn't trust the polls? Well, first of all, I've always thought it was cool when folks came back from break and said, hey, while we were on break, and yet we just did it. That's awesome. <laughs> while we were on break. Yeah, my advice, never trust the polls. Just just don't do it. Because those pollsters are pros. They know how to word questions so that they get the type of response that they want. So it's not good to trust the poll because uh, a lot of these news outlets, to hook back to what you just said, a lot of these news outlets, they're going to go for the poll that best supports the scenario, the agenda that they're trying to supposedly report. It helps them shape what you're going to listen to. You know, that's a great point because I remember seeing a poll question one time that went something like this. Are you generally in favor of a woman getting to choose the type of health care that she wants to use for herself? And then the results of that poll were shared. The, all these people that said yes are in favor of abortion. And you're like, what? That's not how that. That's not how that poll question was phrased. So anyway, I say that as an example. I think you're absolutely right. That's a perfect example. So we talked about last week both the right and the responsibility of voting. But let's pivot a little bit, or maybe add on to that about the impact of voting. So here's the question I want to pose. If these polls are correct, and granted, Sean, you just said we can't trust the polls, but if it's correct, why do we really need to go to vote? Does one vote really make a difference? Clay, how would you respond to that? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's okay. Has anybody ever been in like a, they've gone down to a cave? Like, for example, uh, we've gone to these tours through these caves over the years with my family. And, and sometimes in these tours, you go down and of course, you know, it's all lit. You see the stalactites and the stalagmites. But at some point when they gather in these certain rooms, they shut all the light, all the power off. And you realize how incredibly dark it is. I mean, just 
amazingly pitch dark. You can't even see your hand right in front of your eyes. And then somebody turns one little light on and it just illuminates the entire room. And that's that's basically what voting is. We need to let our light shine through voting. And it is very important, even though it doesn't seem like it. And then as more and more people vote, you know, that it lights up the area. And that's the best we can do, you know, is to vote. So that's our, that's why it's so important. That's why your vote doesn't um, matter because it's a, it's your light. And I liked what, what Chris had said like a few days, uh, a week or so ago. He basically said that that's knowing by voting, it's knowing that you did what you were responsible for and the blood isn't on my hands, you know? So it's the least you can do is to vote. The next level is run for a school board, run for something else like that. You know, we all need to start being active and stop being passive. But, you know, it says the kingdom of God is, is violent and the violent take it by force. You can't, we have to stop being passive and start being active in our government and in our personal lives in all areas. Not no, I mean violent as in taking action, not as in physical violence, but like taking action. Don't be a little passive person, you know, but actually be the, the changer. Be you be the change. You, you know, you be the somebody. You do the something. And voting is that part. So come on, Sean. I, I mean, I listen to Clay here. Does my vote really matter? I mean, if everybody else takes that to heart, do I really need to get up and go to the voting booth? Well, your vote doesn't matter at all if you sit on it at home. But if you'll put it into action, get there and, and do the vote, then yeah, it matters. Here's the deal. Let's say that, that these polls are actually correct. Well, let's take some inspiration from that and let's go pig pile. Let's go vote and let's, let's participate in a landslide that takes certain people completely out of office. Let's embarrass the Democrat party. Let's pig pile all our votes on the ones who are going to do something to help rescue our country and sweep the rest out of office. You know, as you were talking about the value of the vote, as Clay was talking about not being passive, I was reminded of a quote that I heard last year that I thought was so good. So I've, I've looked it up and the quote is hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. That's where we are now. You could say that with the vote. Because we have neglected to vote, we have created hard times. And that quote is from a post-apocalyptic novel titled Those Who Remain by G. Michael Hopf, H-O-P-F. That was a fantastic quote. And I think of, you know, we've said this a lot on the Kingdom Patriot Group here on the grid that all that is necessary for evil to prevail is good men do nothing. And that's really what you're speaking to, Sean. And so I, I have a couple comments that I want to just tag on to that. Amen. Um, 
one is if we overwhelm the voting booth, the one vote becomes two and the two become four and the four becomes six. I, I think as I saw in the 2020 election is that because not enough people did vote, it creates both temptation and opportunity for fraud. Just like we talked about the absentee ballots being an opportunity for fraud, when the margins are narrow, it creates temptation that a little tweak here and a little cheat there, and maybe we can overcome this gap. But if we are overwhelming, if instead of a thousand vote margin, it's a hundred thousand vote margin, instead of a hundred thousand vote margin, it's a 500,000 vote margin. Those are much more difficult to overcome by fraud. Would you agree with that? Totally, totally. The Xerox machines can't be cranked up fast enough to make up the difference without being spotted during the counts. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great example. So when, when Sean's talking about pig pile, he is talking about let's pile it on. Let's pile it on. We don't want to win 51 to 49. We want to win 60 to 40. We want to make it so overwhelming that fraud would be next to impossible. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for all of you Kingdom Patriots out there. And this is why I want to motivate you to get to the booth. We mentioned last week a statistic that a friend of mine shared that um, it went something like this, that 50% of Christians are not even registered to vote. And of those, only 50% vote in the presidential election. And of those, only 50% vote in the midterm. So I want to put some real numbers to that. Let's say that we had 50 million Christians, evangelical Christians who voted their values and had correct biblical values. If only 50% are even registered to vote, that means out of those 50 million, only 25 million are registered to vote. And if it's true that only out of those 25 million, only 50% vote in the presidential election, well, now we're talking only 12 and a half million actually vote in the presidential election. But in the midterms, if only 50% of those vote, now we're talking about 6.25 million. That means out of 50 million Christians who could make a difference in this country, 12% are actually doing something. And so what I'm calling the other 88%, that's who I'm talking to right now. I'm talking to you right now, because if you're one of the 88%, you have no right to complain about our country, about our school board, about the degradation of our society and those godless leaders that are elected if you are part of the 88%, they're not voting. I know that sounds harsh, but you need to step up, get out, and make your voice heard. You don't think one vote makes a difference? I'm going to give you two words that tell you that that's wrong, and it's Kamala Harris. Why? Because we have a 50-50 tie in the Senate, and all we needed was one more senator. That one senator would have changed everything, but because we have a tie, we have a liberal Democrat a liberal woke Democrat who is the deciding vote on every single tie in the Senate. That's why one vote, one point, one win matters. Yeah, I would like to bring up another point too. So like talking about taking action, once you voted, what is the next step in us taking action? So the next step is we need to look, watch the results because I want to remind people like it was unprecedented that all the votes stopped in the middle of the night. I mean, you know, this is just crazy. And so if there's things like that happening um, now, uh, this election where all of a sudden 
the vote just stops and then they just resume next, you know, the next day. And, oh, there's a giant leap in the, the, you know, from one person to the other. We need to get out in the street. We need to not be passive like we were in 2020. And we need to, like, be very vocal and get others to be very vocal with us, you know? I'd like to add to that, that according to Senate.gov, Kamala Harris has cast 26 votes, votes to break ties in the Senate. The vice president of the United States shall be president of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless they be equally divided. She has voted 26 times. And that means, Sean, every piece of legislation 26 times would not have happened if we would have had the necessary votes to put one more God-fearing Republican senator in the upper chamber. Amen. So I want to add one more thing to that. If you are listening to this podcast and you hadn't intended to vote, but you decide after listening to us to go vote, you're the one that has made all the difference to us. One person matters to us. Absolutely. And you can probably hear the passion coming from Sean's voice on that. We want to make a difference. And that difference is you. You are the difference. We need your vote. We need every single one of your votes. Guys, as we close this podcast today, uh, what final thoughts do you have? It's time to be militant, but not, you know, I'm not using this as actual, like, let's take up arms or anything. I'm talking about it's time to be, have an attitude of militant where you're going to fight and just not take it anymore. Like, I, there was a movie that said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That attitude, that's what we need to start having, especially as, as Christians. We are not going to take you walking all over our rights, the things that are true and faithful, the principles of the Constitution, and saying that it's evil. We're not going to take it anymore. That's what we need to have, that passion and that burning spirit in our heart that makes us move in action in our community. And that's what we have to start determining in our heart. And it starts with me. It starts with with Sean, with Chris, with each one of us. And we have to do that passionately. I totally agree. And so my final thoughts on this situation, just to pig pile on what he has just said, we have to get to the ballot box. We have to vote. Mike Lindell was stopped at a burger joint having a burger and the FBI showed up with multiple cars to confiscate his personal cell phone. That nonsense must stop. I'm so angry about this. That nonsense must stop. We have got to put an end to the FBI being used like the Gestapo to go after people who are doing their civic duty. And we do that by taking our vote and casting it. We've got to take our country back. And the first way that we take our country back is by voting. I know I sound ticked as all get out. I want to also add that our country is sliding into communism. And if you don't know that or haven't seen it, then you need to pray for God to open your eyes up. 
that's why we have to be determined to take action and not be the same person that we are because we're in, we're in a time where we have to rise up rise up awake awake you know yeah my final thoughts really just dovetailing what you guys have said the the way our country was designed the way our country was structured is that the power of the people would be reflected at the ballot box by the people and for the people and if you don't vote, what you are doing is you're abdicating not only your responsibilities, but you're abdicating your rights to someone else who does decide to vote. And I have friends and neighbors that, quite frankly, I would not want them making decisions that would govern how my life is run just because I know their belief systems. But that's exactly what you do when you allow someone else's vote to count without casting your own. So that's our motivation today. I hope today we were able to inform you a little bit, inspire you, but most importantly, motivate you to go to the voting booth next Tuesday, November the 8th. And if after hearing this podcast, you feel strongly to vote for the liberal progressive Democratic Party, the booths will be open for you on November the 9th. So make sure you don't forget. We are Kingdom Patriots. We are Kingdom Patriots. Are you a Kingdom Patriot, Clay? I am a Kingdom Patriot. Until next time. Till next time. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. <laughs> <laughs>